Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Grace. So I'm back again with another quizzing update for you all. Uh, this time for our junior quizzer, uh, Joseph. You got it, buddy? I'm going to need some help with this. This past weekend, Joseph and his team attended uh, Louisiana State Finals at Eastwood UPC in Lake Charles, Louisiana. This is a tournament that qualifies a team for nationals. Now, you might remember a few months ago that Joseph's team already qualified uh, at Extravaganza. So while this tournament was just for fun for us, uh, Joseph still showed up prepared and ready to play. Joseph did very well this weekend with his team placing fourth overall, losing only to the first place and second place teams of the tournament. Joseph was first place on the all-tournament team as the highest score in the tournament, which is quite an accomplishment as this is the last tournament of the year and everyone shows up prepared and hoping to make it to nationals, so they're usually quizzing at their highest and their best. I wanted to share some stats with you guys about Joseph and his team this year that I thought were so impressive. Uh, Joseph's team placed first in three out of five state tournaments this year and fifth at the only regional tournament. They are 14th in the nation for average margin of victory. Joseph was on the all-tournament team for every tournament this year, and he was the highest scorer at three. That is quite a year for Joseph in his last year in junior quizzing. It's been a hard year of work and dedication for Joseph, and it's not over yet. He's going to continue to quote and study daily and practice often in anticipation of nationals in Branson at the end of July. So it's a lot of work, but it's rewarding. So please keep us in your prayers as we prepare over the next few weeks. And thank you so much for your continued support of quizzing. God bless. Praise the Lord. Can we give a hand clap of praise to the Lord this morning? Praise the Lord. It's good to see every one of you here this morning. We appreciate your presence in the house of God if you're joining us on the live stream. Thank you as well. It doesn't really matter where you join us from. I believe that the Lord can do something profound in your life. Praise the Lord. We have a few announcements this morning. Sunday, June 26th, uh, small leader group leaders will be having a meeting at 6 p.m. in the A Center on July 5th through 8th. We'll have camp meeting. will be held in Tioga every year. Praise the Lord. something we look forward to. And Sunday, July 10th, the young adult class will begin college age up to 40 years old. They will meet in the A Center at 10 a.m. Praise the Lord. I'm going to say praise the Lord this morning. In our adult class, I, I, I quoted from Romans, a, a scripture that I found to be very profound. We were talking about the love of God this morning. And it says that, that the Lord demonstrated his love in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know what condition you are in this morning. I don't know what your life is facing, but I do know this. You have a God that loves you. And you do not have to leave this place burdened with the sin that you brought in. Let's lift our voices to the Lord this morning. Love in the morning and your face. 
is freedom. There is power in the name of Jesus. Young ladies, 
And I could barely stand up in the center of that aisle that Sunday morning. And I was just trying to hold back the tears. I even had the praise team pray for me that Sunday. And I just kept dealing with it, living on Tylenol and Advil, didn't know what was going on in my body. So I finally made my way to the doctor back in May. And I remember him running all these tests on me and he come and he, back into the room and he said, Michelle, this is what's wrong with you. This is why you are in so much pain and you really have two options. I can put you on medication for the next four to six months and we can see if that's going to fix anything or you're going to have to have surgery. And I remember standing in that doctor's office and I said, I really don't want to wait. I don't know if I've got four to six months. I can't keep living the way that I'm living. He said, well, just go home, think about it, and let me know. Within the week, I called the nurse back. I said, I can't. I can't continue on what I'm doing right now. I said, I need you to get me in for that surgery as soon as you can. She said, Michelle, the earliest we can get you in is June 27th, just tomorrow. And I remember going home and telling Jonathan what was going on. And there was a lot of other things going in my life at that time with my family. And I thought, God, I just can't take much more. But God, God gave me a praying husband. He did. And he said, Michelle, I'm going to go and I'm going to write it on our prayer list. And maybe God's going to take care of it, okay? We're just going to keep believing until that day comes. And a month or so went by, a few weeks, I don't know. And I remember going and telling him, I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, but I haven't been in pain in the last few days. He said, well, do you want me to go mark it off the list? I said, well, hold on now. I don't know. Maybe I'm just having a good day or what. He said, well, just let me know. And probably a week or two went by, and I had no pain in my body. No pain. Amen. And I thank God for that. I called that nurse back. I said, I know I was crazy, and I told you to schedule that surgery immediately. I said, but I don't know what's happened, but I'm pain-free. But I told Sister Murphy, she said, Michelle, God healed you. He did. And I come to tell someone that when I sing that there's power in the name of Jesus, I come to tell you today that there is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. I've come to tell somebody today, Jeff Arnold preached a message that if we would break through, God would break forth. And I've come to tell somebody today, if you just step out on faith, I said step out on faith, God can do something in your life. It may not be a healing. It could be something financial. It could be something with your children. It could be something on your job. But if you would just step out and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know that you can do it. Hallelujah. Can we give God just a little bit of praise? I come to praise him today. God, you've been so good to me. You've been so good to me. I cannot tell it all.
and have your way in this place today, Lord. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Thank you, Lord. You change everything. The lies he found here and now. Jesus, you change everything. Chains fall.
great to be here today. Great today to be here with you. It's great today to be here with Jesus. I'm glad the Lord is here today. I'm glad I could feel the presence of the Lord here today. And I believe God has heard our praise. I believe God has heard our prayers. Thank the Lord. Look at somebody close to you and tell them, I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Again, it's great to see everybody here today. And we're really happy today to have Heather Castile here with us. Does anybody know who that is? The last time she was here, it was Heather Tear. In case those of you that didn't catch that, we're glad to have Daniel and Heather here today. Recently married, we congratulate them, and it's so wonderful to have them here today. Thank the Lord. Great to see you guys, and uh, looking forward to see what God does in their life, not only in them, but through them for the kingdom of God, and I mean that. Thank the Lord. Very kingdom-minded people, and uh, we're certainly thankful to have them here with us today at Grace Church. And uh, I want to send out a just a shout to Maggie Bryant, who is listening to our service right now via uh, their technology, uh, probably a phone. But uh, Maggie just had a, a pretty major, pretty invasive surgery uh, on her back Friday. Was in surgery, I understand, a little over seven hours. And uh, but. God has used our uh, very brilliant, very qualified medical profession, medical staff, to just really perform a miracle, much needed in her back. And uh, we're so thankful for that. And uh, we're looking forward to Maggie returning back to church here more sooner than later. Amen. And uh, I understand, Hinesley reported this morning, uh, they may release her tomorrow night. Uh, to go home. And I think that's pretty phenomenal. She's been up walking around and I'm sure she's back to probably telling Jonathan and Shanna what to do and back to that status again. So, hey, we're excited and certainly thankful that she has this behind her and ahead of her as a, a road to recovery that's going to give her uh, just superior quality of life. Shanna just sent me some pics of what she did and uh, during surgery, actually to show anybody, everybody that's interested and um, I saw them earlier this morning from Hinesley. And it's really, really incredible at what our medical people can do. And people say, well, why don't you trust God? They did. And uh, they prayed every day for her for, for months and months. They prayed every day. We anointed a prayer cloth, what have you. But don't forget, uh, two of the most prolific books in the Bible, including the book of Acts, was written by a doctor. God uses physicians in all kinds of ways. Yes, he does. And uh, we're certainly thankful to hear a good report uh, from our sweet Miss Maggie, and we want her to have a just a tremendous, speedy recovery. And, and considering uh, what Maggie had done, I uh, looked here a little while ago at Greeley and uh, just thought about the amazing, tremendous miracle that God performed in her, A, that she's still here alive and breathing after a horrible, horrible car accident that was just less than an inch, the doctor said, from taking her life. And uh, But uh, God can use our medical profession, and uh, we're certainly thankful for that. Amen. 
I want to call your attention today to the Word of God. And before I do, all of y'all, please remember, if you're planning to be a Connect Group leader to meet us at 6 tonight, we have a wave of excitement sweeping through Grace Church. And uh, we're looking forward to what God is going to do through our Connect Groups. And uh, so we'll have plenty of information to give you and uh, things that you'll need to know if you're planning to lead a Connect Group. So remember that. And uh, we will have some food. Probably won't be filet mignon, but it's not going to be bad. So uh, you'll have a great time. Great time tonight. Uh, looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then returned they. I want you to notice those three words. The scripture setting is right before Jesus ascended into heaven. You all know the story. He commanded them to go return to Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. And they obeyed him. They obeyed him. These three words, then returned they, is them obeying that command to return back to Jerusalem. The Bible said from the mount called Olivet, the Mount of Olives, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning. And I hope you all hear the last two or three Sundays at this church has been incredibly powerful, moving, very motivating. It's in my, from my vantage point, it is the, the atmosphere at Grace Church has changed. Just over the past several Sundays, today will be no different. I want to preach to you about the return to Pentecost. The return to Pentecost. And everybody said amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It's almost redundant to even say these words today, but I'm going to say them anyway. And I don't mean to just give this sermon a catchy title and, and try to woo you or wow you, whatever, with a catchy title. I mean what this title says today. It's time for Grace Church to return to a Pentecost revival where there is a mighty, mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We have that opportunity today to do that. Amen. We have that opportunity. It's time for a Holy Ghost breakthrough. I'm thankful for Michelle's testimony this morning. And she made the statement, we have to have a breakthrough so God can break forth. It's time for miracles and signs and wonders, it's truly time to see an outpouring of the power of God. Her testimony today is a, an amazing segue into what I want to preach to you here today. But I want you to everybody to listen to what I'm about to say. If there is any, any spiritual inclination about us at all, if we have any desire whatsoever 
to make that return to what we've often heard is an apostolic dimension. We've heard it called Pentecostal revival. What that is simply describing is where every time we come together, there is a demonstration of the Holy Ghost on some level. There is a manifestation of God on some level. And I have been in many, many church environments where that has been experienced. I know there's people, I know personally today, there's people who are praying and fasting at Grace Church toward that end. Uh, people have gone on extended fast, uh, just praying and seeking God for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell all of you here today at Grace Church, that opportunity is before us and we're not waiting on God. I don't think y'all heard what I just said. It's almost, we, we've postured ourselves to, to say, well, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. Not today. Not today. I believe that God is waiting on us. Let's clap our hands to the Lord today, shall we? Everybody, would you clap your hands to the Lord? There's a few people just, just kind of sitting like this. I guess you're just too tired. Just pick up your arms three or four inches and make them meet somewhere in the middle. But that's okay. Maybe by the time we're done, you'll be rested and uh, we'll move on. But if there's any spiritual inclination about us at all, we have to understand that involvement in spiritual revival, involvement in spiritual renewal is going to tax everything about us. The devil is not going to give us a free pass from here to Pentecost. And our flesh certainly isn't going to give us a free pass from here to Pentecost. Everybody say amen. There's going to be some battles that you have to fight. And most of them is going to be yourself. And we are in a battle. All of us are in a battle that will throw every single distraction and danger it can. The devil, our flesh, is going to throw every single distraction, every single danger it possibly can to try to hinder the church from where it's going and from how it's growing. It's not going to be easy, but it can be done. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. That takes care of your flesh. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That takes care of the devil. It's just up to us. God is waiting on us. Hallelujah. James Allen said you will become, you will become as small as your most controlling desire or as great as your dominant aspiration. If you cave in to fleshly desires, you'll never grow. But if you have a desire, if you have a will about you to have a move of God in your life, I submit to you today that nothing can stop you. Jesus said, I will build my church at the gates of hell, and hell cannot stop the church. 
Somebody said, never despair, never despair, but if you do, work on in despair. I'm not going to let that stop me here today. Throughout the scripture, there are exhortations and challenges brought to us that urge all of us to completely break through every obstacle and hindrance that comes into our path. I think by default being pastor, uh, and it's sometimes, I'll be honest with you here today, sometimes it's hard to discern, sometimes it's hard to judge, not in a critical way, but just by way of observation, what people truly are, because the nature of what I hear often is the things that's always wrong. In people's lives. And I hear that often. Uh, heard from two or three people this morning that there's things wrong in their life, in their body, and so on. So it's so easy for even pastor to get real distracted by negative things and troublesome things and, and sickness and all these things that goes on in our life. Um, uh, so throughout scripture, there are exhortations and challenges brought to us that urge all of us to completely break through every obstacle and every hindrance that comes into our path. I hear often from people that things are not always critical. They're not always dire. They're just distracting. I've got this going on in my life, and I've got that going on in my life, and the job this, the job that, the marriage this, the marriage that, the kids this, the kids that, all that. It's just things that distract us every single day. But if you'll follow pastor's lead today, I'll go as far as to say if you'll follow Brother Dave Bunch and his lead today, and there's uh, probably about a dozen more here at Grace Church, if you'll follow their lead today, you're going to find yourself following a group of people that is bound, set, and determined by the help and power of God, we're going to see a revival at this church like we've never seen before. Oh, yes. I submit to you today, if you follow our youth group, you'll pick up on some enthusiasm, some excitement, some faith that says we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I found out this morning that uh, we've already had a connect group that's formed. Perhaps one of our first under the banner of connect groups. Brother Dave met about eight of our young people here this morning at 9 o'clock for a prayer meeting. And they prayed 30 minutes prior to church starting today. Anybody else want to form a connect group along that line? There's plenty of room. There's plenty of opportunity. I believe the Bible when it said of my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways that God would pour out his spirit. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Jesus said in Luke 9, you'll notice, you'll see this on the screen. 
I just saw this. I've read this scripture, proverbially speaking, 9,000 times. And I just saw this. And he, Jesus, said to about three people. You know, if you ever want to take the Bible at face value, now's a good opportunity to do it. He said to everybody, he didn't just single out a youth group. He just didn't single out four or five in the church. He didn't single out two or three of his disciples. He said to every lasting one of them, if a man will come after me, let him deny himself. Get rid of the distractions. Get rid of the worldly desire. Get rid of the sin out of your life. If you will come after me, do this. And if you do this, you will be more in this life than you ever dreamed. And you will have something in the life to come than you've ever dreamed. I feel like preaching a little while today. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, I refuse, he said. To be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm not a product of Egypt. I'm not a product of the world. I'm not a product of sin. I'm not a product of addiction. I'm not a product of wayward living. I'm a child of God. I was born into the Jewish people. Into the Jewish race. God, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I'm tired of the devil robbing us of who we are, of what our identity is. If you've repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin and been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you are a child of God, not of this world, not of sin, not of brokenness, not of despair. Matthew 4 and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother they were casting a net into the sea just doing their daily their daily job for they were fishermen and he said unto them follow me and I'll make you fishers of men that's what I'd like to tell our connect group leaders tonight if you'll follow Jesus He'll make you more than an employee at your job. He'll make you more than that proverbial number. He'll make you more than that big fat paycheck too. He'll make something out of you that will impact the lives of people for a whole entire length of eternity. He didn't beg them. He didn't plead with them. He just gave them an opportunity. And I don't see in the Bible where he waited on them either. He says, this is what I've got rolling in my head when I read this verse of Scripture. Braylon Hinesley, if y'all will follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And that's what they did. I didn't rehearse this with them. Y'all played that right. Oh, God, y'all played that right. Thank you. Oh, my. I could, I could run the aisles right now. I would and can't, they can and won't, unless I ask them to, but I'm not going to. The Bible said, and straightway 
just like y'all just did. No questions asked. Let me call my mama. Let me check in with my wife. Let me see what my employer says about it. Let me get my boat back on dock. They didn't do none of that. They just simply said, okay, we're coming. We're not waiting on him. We're not waiting on him. God is waiting on us. I'm coming, God. I'm coming. I'm coming. I want a part of what you're bringing to this planet. Oh, oh, God. All right, watch this. This is where it gets awesome. This is where it gets really cool right here. The first step in the process of a breakthrough, Michelle. Everybody listen. Everybody say, I'm listening. Never underestimate what can happen in one single day. It don't take God weeks. It don't take God months. It don't take God years. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't have to. Not today. You listen to pastor. The Old Testament said, referring to the nation of Israel, that God raised up a nation in one single day. In one single event. He had anywhere from one to three million people established as a nation of Israel that nobody could stop. He did it. Far too often in life, both spiritually and materially, there's a tendency to underestimate the value of a day's journey or what can happen in a day. That can transpire on any given day of our life. Glad to have Brother and Sister Castile here today. How long did it take them to get married? They rehearsed longer than it took for them to get married. Thank God for that, right? I was there. We rehearsed it five times, four times, four or five times, in and out, in and out. I want to turn around to Sandy, who was the wedding coordinator, and said, I know what to do. I'm walking from about here to the media booth and just turn around. That's all I had to do. And then ask Brother Ben that horrible question, who gives this woman to be married to this man? Buddy, you ought to feel like a million bucks because he don't give them up easy. Daddy up there loves his kids. But on that night, Friday night, a week or two ago, two weeks ago, you know how long it took them to get married? For Brother Ben to literally say, Y'all can time it. Get your stopwatch out if you want to. I pronounce you husband and wife. Boom. Married. For a whole entire life. How long have we been married? 45, 46 years? That preacher, Brother Young, said that over us. And I had no idea that he meant 46 years later. This is where I'm still going to be living under that banner and umbrella of what he just said. Yeah. 
When Jesus determines to do something amazing in your life, how long does it take him to do it? How long did it take anybody to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Now, I have to differentiate with you people. There's a difference in praying for the Holy Ghost and receiving the Holy Ghost. I remember the preacher laying his hands on me when I was 12 years old. I was about right down here at an altar, kneeling down, doing this number. His hand touched my head, and it felt like a thousand volts of electricity went through me. I shot straight to my feet, speaking in tongues. How long did that take? A second? How long did it take Jesus to look at Peter and Andrew and say, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? Three seconds? Am I bringing this into perspective for anybody here today? Man, these three-hour prayers and fasting a year, and I'm just holding on to God. No, you ain't. Jesus passed by you a long time ago. You are never reached out your hand. You ain't holding on to nothing but thin air. I'm not being harsh here today, but I believe God is wanting to do a work in Grace Church, a mighty work in Grace Church, and I'm going to submit to you again. It's not going to take him long, and if anybody's doing any waiting, it's him waiting on us. Now watch this here today. God planned. God planned. To have them go to a place that it's called the upper room. But the point is, he asked them to make that journey on the Sabbath day. It was on Sunday. And I'm not going to get into all the Old Testament stuff about it. But that trip from the Mount of Olives to the upper room, God planned that. So that, A, they wouldn't have to sin on the Sabbath day by going further than what a Sabbath day's journey would allow them to go. So he was brilliant when he planned it. In other words, he made their destination attainable on Sunday. (laughs) Is anybody here today? Can you hear what I'm saying And see what I'm preaching. That God has put you in a place right now on Sunday morning at Grace Church. He's given you a destination that's reachable from where you are right now. Oh, God. Now, watch this. Watch this. I don't know how far I'm going to get. I could preach three hours today. I shortened my notes. I took stuff out today, this morning. Y'all can say praise the Lord for that. I only heard one, so I'm good to go, buddy. A Sabbath day's journey for them was a half a mile approximately. It's about 3,600 feet. A little over half a mile. That's as far as they could go on a Sabbath. But the beauty of it is in real terms, that's not very far. He's not asking them to go 20 miles. He's not asking them to travel 300 miles and stay at a Motel 6 tonight where they always leave the light on for you. He didn't ask them to do that. He said, I'm going to ask you to go to a destination that's reachable 
in one day. In less than a day, in less than an hour, you could be there. Now, what's going to happen? Everybody say, I'm listening. What's going to happen, fellas, is I'm going to disappear. You're not going to see me anymore. And there's people here today that are longing to see Jesus right now. they had to do is make that journey without him strictly in faith I'm saying without him in the way they had known him prior he ascended he didn't just poof and vanish like the rapture they watched him there was no doubt in anybody's mind that Jesus just took an invisible elevator ride out of this planet he ain't here no more he ain't with us no more. Does that mean revival is over? Does that mean the power of God in my life is over? There's been people here today that have been walking around, feels like you've been walking around without Jesus for quite a little while now. And now here's pastor asking you to take a journey and to keep on going without him. You've got that right because the next time you see him, Oh, God. Oh, God, I feel lit up like a Christmas tree right now. The next time you see him, he won't be in a physical body. As a matter of fact, the next time you see him, it really won't be seeing him with your physical eyes. But there's going to be an infusion of something that's going to happen to you on the inside that you won't be able to explain. And every sin you've had is going to be dealt with. Every problem you've had is going to be dealt with on some level. Every moment of doubt and fear is going to be taken away in just a moment in just a brief second when you begin to speak in that heavenly tongue something is going to happen to you that you can't explain Woo! hallelujah this is a, it's a short journey from sin to freedom from addiction to deliverance. It's a short journey to a life filled with hope and faith and promise and joy and reconciliation and restoration. And the list goes on. It is often in this quest for a personal breakthrough that we forget the power of what can happen in less than one single day. Somebody said one time that I preach way, with way too much passion. Just get too exuberant and what have you. I can't help it. When you're preaching what I'm preaching, you'd get excited too. And I dare say, if some of you would act like me when I'm preaching, something would happen to you. And just get up off of that religious thing and get up out of that Sunday thing and and just sitting here and I've come to church and I'm too dressed up to get too exuberant and I'm, I might mess my hair up and I've got lunch plans after. If you could just forget about all of that just for a moment and say I'm taking a short trip from where I am right now 
to an upper room somewhere until I be endued with power again with a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Would y'all run the aisles for me? Would y'all two run the aisles for me? Just, just run the aisles for me. Go on, that's right. They're doing that for pastor. They're doing that on my behalf right now. Because that's what I feel like right now. That's what's going on on the inside of me right now. I can't help myself. I feel a Pentecost in the atmosphere right now. Woo! Hallelujah to God. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You may be seated. If we're willing to make that daily commitment, it's what can happen in a day. It's a decision in a day. There can be great rewards that come from it. Our purpose in life ought to be like that river that was born out of little streams in the mountain. We can finally see what happens when the accumulation of water that starts to roar in the great rivers like the Mississippi and the Ohio and the Amazon. If you were to watch them carefully, you would notice that at the origin of those rivers, there were undercurrents and that, that create small currents where it seems like the water is changing its mind about flowing into one mighty force. But once it starts on its pace, it's not very long until that river reaches a point that if somebody builds a dam over it and that water is harnessed, it can create enough electricity that can light up a million homes in thousands of cities. If the tide attempts to wash in on it at the river's mouth, there's such a still, still such a force behind it that it will still dump out into the ocean. Take a look at the Gulf of Mexico if you don't believe it. Don't underestimate the small streams of purpose that are flowing in your life right now. But rather give yourself to the momentum of the wonderful things Jesus has begun doing in your life. Now, there's always contradictions. The devil's going to play with your head. Your own mind is going to play with your head. The journey that this hardy 120 disciples started out on in the absence of Jesus, no doubt had his share of fear and perhaps even some discouragement. I can hear some of them saying now, we just got caught up in the moment of the ascension. We were just awed and trying to figure it all out. But now that Jesus has disappeared, he's still barking out commandments. I ain't going to do that. History says, that there were over 700 that begun the trip from the Mount of Olives, but only 120 made it. There's a bunch of them bailed out. It was only a half a mile. How far is a half a mile from here to the donut shop? My favorite stop on the way to church on Sunday morning. Just right down. Is that about half a mile, y'all think? Somebody talk to me right now. Does that sound right? Well, in your country, boy, you can tell what 10 miles is. So about half a mile down there. Y'all pass it coming to church on Sunday morning. It don't take very long to get down there. But there's people by the time they got to the light at Sullivan right there. I ain't doing that. <laughs> and it's too hot, way too hot. And now they're forecasting rain. And I heard on the, the, the weather Friday 
and we're getting so much rain, they're saying next week we might have flooding. If you don't like Louisiana weather, you know what to do. Just wait. But here's all these people. Yeah, we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it. And there's people here today that's saying, I'm going to get my marriage right no matter what it takes. I'm going to get my kids devoted and committed no matter what it takes. I'm going to live for God closer than I ever have no matter what it takes. And then here comes Monday morning. I ain't doing that. There's people, it is true. I, there's people I see around the altars. Man, they'll buck and shout and speak in tongues and they'll cry and they'll jump and they'll dance. And I, I told somebody here recently, you got to wake up in the morning with this, man. This don't go away after you leave this building. You wake up with this Monday and you wake up with this Tuesday. Anybody hearing me right now? If we want a move of God, you've got to finish the course. You've got to go where he tells you to go. That felt good. Everybody do that with me. Not ooh. It's not painful. It just feels like food's good, man. Better. Y'all are catching on up here. Imagine how Gideon felt. You remember the sermon I preached last year titled This Bunch? He started out with 30,000 and then 20,000. And ended up with 300. I ain't doing that. God think I'm stupid? I ain't taking on all this army with 300 people. You know what Gideon said? God's got a destiny for me. I'm going to be a game changer. I'm going to change my world and those, the worlds of many people after me. And Gideon is still being preached about some 3,000 years later. People are still preaching about what Gideon did. Esther, you remember her? It was a short trip from where she was being purified at to walking in to the throne room of the king. But she was determined. Nothing is going to distract me. She said, Brother James, if I perish, I perish. Somebody needs to get that attitude here today. Somebody needs to feel that attitude here today. Bless God, I'm going to try. And if I die, I want everybody to say, he tried. But I am not going to just sit here and watch an opportunity go past me and could finish doing my net thing and let Jesus just walk on by. I'm not doing it, Jeremy. I'm not ready to quit, Steve. I'm not ready to throw in the towel, Jason. We've got a job to do, and we've got kingdom orders. We've got the sanction of the kingdom of God to do it. Look at what Abraham left behind. He left behind everything. He left behind everything. But that man impacted the world. He impacted the world. The forward progress of breaking through will always have accompanying contradictions. The contradictions... The contradictions, the contradictions will always be there until there is a dying out to the things of lesser value. We have to trade good things for noble things. 
We have to trade the lesser things for the chief things. We have to trade worldly things for heavenly things. We will be challenged to trade things of common worth for greater worth. We may think we know the value of noble spiritual things such as revival and consecration and prayer and growth, but until we finally experience them, it will only be at that point that the true worth of the breaking through helps us see. I dare say to you that, these, that those great seekers of the Bible were all uncertain until the task was finally fulfilled. What about the man Jesus talked about who sold all he had to be able to purchase the pearl of great price? What about the man that sold everything he had to purchase a field that had a hidden treasure? What about Matthew who left his tax tables to get in on what Jesus was calling for? What uncertainties and how stupid did did Zacchaeus feel when he was climbing a sycamore tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. But it didn't matter. He had a destiny ahead of him. He had a destiny ahead of him. He had a destiny ahead of him. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have discouragement tugging at my heart so hard when I'm trying to literally encourage others. I know what it's like to have doubt tearing your faith down while you're trying to patch up the deteriorated faith of others. I know what it's like to endure criticism that will drain the life out of every spiritual vision you've ever had. I know what it's like to feel disappointment with yourself and with others. I know what it feels like to have high aspirations only to be sad, only to be stifled by the daily responsibilities of life. But you know what happened to me a number of years ago? I was about 16 years old and Jesus walked by one day and said, follow me. No matter how bad I feel, no matter how discouraged I feel, I'm not going to sit here and try to sound like a martyr in, in St. Glenn Murphy here today, but it feels like I've fought every devil in hell from yesterday till this morning to even get to this pulpit this morning. All of these things that would be fought against as we give rise to the high calling of God that is with us. You know what? If we retreat for a moment to the Old Testament, there's an incredible verse. An incredible verse that sums up King David's success. Y'all put this on the screen and you will. 2 Samuel 5 verse 10. And David went on. Y'all got to understand what that means. Excuse the old slang expression, but at this point in David's life, it seemed like everybody in their mama was after David. He couldn't do nothing right. And everywhere he turned around, there was somebody wanting to kill him. His son wanted to kill him. Saul wanted to kill him. He had men in the army that betrayed him that wanted to kill him. Everybody wanted to kill him. Everybody. He just he had nowhere to run after a while. But he determined, God has anointed me. God has anointed me with his spirit. God has anointed me with his power. And I don't know, it doesn't matter who is out there trying to do me in. I'm still going to go on. And the Bible said he grew great and the Lord of hosts was with him. If I I could just encourage somebody take your family just take your family and go on forward down the path that God has for you and don't stop don't let anything stop you until you've reached that destiny where God can use you at your ultimate ability and gifting went on 
Jacob went on to God's purpose. The priest carrying the Ark of Covenant through the Red Sea. How stupid does that look? Until their feet hit the water. They carried across the Jordan River. This time it didn't feel quite so stupid. In the Red Sea, the water was parted for them. But Brother Billy, this time, when their feet touched the water, the water parted for their feet. And I'm teaching to somebody here today. If you'll bear up the Lord God on your shoulders as you walk forward, there will be insurmountable obstacles that you will come in contact with that will submit to you as you walk by. The dilemma of life often presents itself. Listen. Read it on the screen. The dilemma of life often presents itself that we get stuck in a place when we ought to go on. Far too many want to camp, camp out at their points of success and revival. By the same token, there's a lot of people who also end up stopping at their places of defeat and failure and even hurt and bitterness and never going on to God's full purpose for their life. So much dies in us when we don't progress forward after our victories. We need to move on after the great prayer revival. We need to move on after a great time of fasting. We need to move on after a great time of revival. After the time that God has used you greatly, go on to a greater level, to a higher mountain. Stand with me this morning. Let me be real honest and transparent with you here today. I've heard people say, well, if I just had the opportunity like so-and-so does, if I had the kind of job so-and-so does, even you, Pastor, I mean, you live on cloud nine every day. There ain't nobody closer to Jesus than you are. I don't know who told you that lie. Over the past several months, I fought the battle of my life just to keep my nose above water. And it seems like, Brother Billy, when I walk to this pulpit, it all lifts for a little while. And as soon as I step out of it, it's waiting on me when I get back to my office. It's like an invisible guest sitting in my office. The shroud and mantle of loneliness and sorrow. Say, how can that be? I don't know that you can understand. But when you've lost about 50 people out of your church over the past couple of years, that's part of it. And when a portion of your church that you pastor right now seems to be falling apart at the seams, that's another part of it. I'm saying that to say this. In the face of as much gloom and despair as I've ever felt in my life, I'm still seeing a golden opportunity. I wonder.
wonder if those 11 disciples that left the Mount of Olives all through the crucifixion and resurrection and all that, they pretty much forgot everything that Jesus said, completely enveloped by gloom and despair. But I do wonder if they did remember one of the last words he said to them. He said, go you to Jerusalem to you be endued with power from on high. And oh yeah, by the way, by the way, I have one more thing to say before I go. I will never leave you. of that promise today I've been given a golden opportunity because growth and revival is not based on your circumstances and events going on in your life it's predicated on you making that journey from here to that destiny that God has for all of us I am a firm believer in second chances third chances said his mercy is new every day every day so I'm asking people here today you may not see the opportunity you have in your life right now but I do Daniel and Heather Jesus told a parable of a man that prepared a great feast and a man said Daniel I can't come because I just married a wife that's not applicable matter of fact, I think because you've just married a wife, two can do far more than one. The Bible teaches that. So in front of y'all today is a golden opportunity. So here we have newlyweds. They are still on their honeymoon. Everything you can imagine between them is just birds singing, sun shining, smiles, and every word they say is has this tone of la 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 then there's other people here today whose marriage is broken there's people here today that are struggling with your kids there's people here today that are struggling with a job and you say how do you see an opportunity in that because you have a golden opportunity for Jesus just to walk by one more time and say, will you follow me now? Will you follow me now? Will you follow me now? Will you all see, here they come again. They can't help it. They can't help it. I didn't ask them to do that. I didn't ask them to do that. They just can't help it. Jesus walks by and says, follow me. And they, okay, I'll follow you. If we could do that literally in our mind and heart, I don't care how broken. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter how fantastic your job is right now. If it's an opportunity to follow him to a destiny. You have an opportunity here today to prove who you are. You have an opportunity here today to stay with it this time. You have an opportunity to turn your life around, to improve your mind, to form good habits, to have sterling character, to be used, to invest your life and not waste it, and to make a plan for your future. Will you do it? It's the return to Pentecost. Will you do it? Y'all sing something.
say, Pastor, I've come up here and cried and prayed and repented. Come do it again. It never hurts. It never hurts. Well, I've made commitments and I've dedicated my life. Come do it again. Come show God. Somebody come up here and tell God I'm in for the long haul. I want you to take me to where I've never been before. Your kingdom seated high upon the throne, and every tongue confess that you are Lord. When your kingdom Everyone will see. 
Okay. 